And my name is David. This is my wife, Sheena. We attend this church and we've got a, a short session that we want to kind of focus on being the now. And we feel we talked about this last week talking on this subject and hadn't talked to Brother Barron about what he was going to speak and yet that's seemed to have tied in really well. So we feel like that's some confirmation of this session as well as what hopefully you walk away with after this retreat with you're ready, you're empowered to go out and, and be that greatest generation that the Bible's talked about and so we'll, we'll kind of get into it. So the first thing that we really wanted to capture is what it means to be a hyphen or what is a hyphen anyway. I love English grammar things. I'm sure that most of you are probably like, that's sick and wrong. But <laughs> it's part of my job. I write a lot. And so a hyphen for me is a very powerful use in grammar. And so I wanted to actually just kind of start with kind of what is a hyphen and why being called a hyphen is a powerful thing because I think a lot of times people think of a hyphen as just sort of the in-between. You know, it's, it's the piece in between something that's better. You know, you were really awesome before and you're going to be really awesome later, but hyphen, you're sort of just that in-between dash. But what a hyphen is, and I tried to get an actual definition as opposed to just giving you my own, but it is used to join words to indicate that they have a combined meaning or that they are linked in the grammar of a sentence. It's also to indicate something that you should abruptly notice at the end of a sentence that will join another thought, okay? Sometimes you will think of a word, for example, you know, in between, and if you say in between these two things, you're not gonna have a hyphen. But if you're talking about the in between, it's going to have a hyphen because it's changed the entire meaning of the word. So a hyphen has a powerful effect because it has impact depending on where it's placed. So although, you know, as I said, sometimes that the hyphen feeling can be, I'm just stuck in between two important places in my life. I'm stuck either not really doing the thing at the beginning with the youth and doing some of those things, but now, you know, I'm not really where I want to be in my future. I'm in that in between. And so it can be stuck waiting on and fill in the blank. Fill in the blank of until I get to the next group or until I finish school, if you're still in school, until I get a promotion, if you're working, until I'm married, until I find my calling, until I achieve whatever goal it is. That can be what it feels like at times to be a hyphen. And yet, the impact or the power of the hyphen is its impact that it has on everything around it. For example, Non-starter becomes non-starter. Different definition, and I'll, I'll give you a sentence so you understand. Non-starter becomes non-starter. Half-witted becomes half-witted. Multi-dimensional becomes multi-dimensional. Go-to becomes go-to. Well-being becomes well-being, as in you may feel like you're living a non-starter, half-witted existence, but our God operates in the multi-dimensional. He is the ultimate go-to for all your concerns, anxieties, and problems because he always has your well-being and mine at the forefront of his mind. None of those words would have worked in that sentence if you didn't have a hyphen. Moving, though, into the impact of the hyphen is really looking at the vector. And that's where I'm going to let my husband explain the power of the vector. So... Probably none of you in here necessarily know me or my background or why a vector may be cool or important to me outside of being a big fan of Despicable Me. But it's a mathematics, physics, even a computer term. So I work in IT. I'm an economist by degree. So these types of graphs, charts are intriguing and they tell something. And so when you look, there are a couple different definitions of a vector. One, both of them very applicable. One maybe a little bit more palatable and the other one still impactful but we'll make sure that 
we don't make it too displeasing to to view yourself in, in that fashion. But in math or physics, uh, a vector is something that has it's a quantity that has direction as well as magnitude. So it has impact as well as purpose. And you know, a, a vector, how you denote that in mathematics is it's a line that then has an arrow because it's moving, it's in action. And it is one point, it, it's very useful in determining where your position is from one point to another. You know, a lot of times when we look at a dash in math, that's your point. But when you look at a vector, there's a starting point but we're moving on and we're moving past. And so, you know, it's great that you've got a label of a hyphen and we're defined in that group and you can kind of say, oh, well, this is a hyphen. I'm that in between. But all it takes is having, creating impact with a purpose. And you can move to, you know, hyphen 2.0. It's taking that in-between and starting to spread it out and move in a certain direction. The other definition, which I think is just as pertinent, it's a, an organism, typically is a biting insect or a tick. I'm sure there are times where you felt maybe other hyphens are a bit of a pest. And so it can be relatable, or maybe you're a pest. But what is unique about these types of organisms is that they transmit something from one animal or plant to another. And so it's still applicable to what we're called to do as hyphens, or if we want to be super cool as vectors, to infect another person around you. And that doesn't have to be a hyphen. I know that there are we have youth, we have young kids, children's ministries, we also have seniors, pillars of the church that you can still influence and affect just by, if if nobody learned anything over COVID, the impact of that isolation on the senior population of being disconnected and being alone was significant. And so... Even you, while most of them may not text, they may like to get a card, that's acting, that's an impact that you can have on their life and it's creating a purpose. And that's where it's, I don't have to be defined by my endpoints, but I have a starting point and I'm gonna go out further from where I'm at. And you know, we could get into all different ways that we could influence this vector, by adding exponents and different factors, we could, we could turn something into a polynomial, which means that there are multiple ways that you're impacting something. And that can change the trajectory of, of where you're going. And really it comes down to the principle that we find in Proverbs 27, 17, that says, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the, the countenance of his friend to show rage or worthy purpose. And so there is that verse is saying, hey, you're doing something purposeful. We're taking iron and we're shaping iron. So there's an impact, a literal impact as you're doing that. But the purpose is to produce an outcome, to produce a product and a response to that. And it is important that we recognize, hey, we're not pinned between two points. We're not waiting for this stage to be over because our expectation is when I get to, I, I can remember I used to work hourly and I felt there were two things that I kind of felt like a grown up did was like when you got to go salary you know, so you didn't have to punch a time card, you just got paid and drinking coffee. Those were the two things, and I don't like coffee. I've started, I can drink some, so I feel like I'm a little bit of an adult. And then I moved to salary several years ago, and it's one of those expectations that you think, oh, if I just get married, if I just got that promotion, if I just get that, if I'm just making a certain amount, if I'm doing this, 
then I I will be set. And I've lived long enough to know that when you set those things, those are good things to set. They're goals to reach. It keeps you motivated. But when you reach those, there's still more that you can go after. And so changing that mindset, removing that other endpoint and just saying, hey, I'm going out and I'm going to have the impact and a purpose that I'm going to impress on those around me and I'm going to do it now. Well, and that brings us to being the now. Because if you're a hyphen, and we talked about sort of what that's supposed to do, is supposed to have that impact on both what's before you and after you. That's the purpose of the hyphen. Have impact behind you and ahead of you. And the vector is supposed to say, and I'm still going. I'm not ending just at this certain point. And so that is about being the now. And so when is now? Now. Now is now. And you have to consider this. Jesus was exactly where he was supposed to be at every stage of his life. Even though we talk about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, consider the impact that he had as a child, and then as a young man, and then as a grown man. The stories that we know about Jesus and the things that he did and the impact that he made, even when you talk about the story that we heard last night where someone just simply touched the hem of his garment and virtue left him and healed that woman. That was a life-changing moment for her, an impact in a day, in a moment. And I think sometimes where we live is in our tomorrow. We don't live in the now. We look at the now as small stuff. But the Bible says, don't despise the day of small things. Because if we're being the now, each thing that you do today can have the impact of changing someone's life for their tomorrow, of making the impact today for them. And similarly, what we're supposed to consider is what God is really looking at our lives, and he does not see us as fixed endpoint. That's not how he views us. We sometimes view it as we're waiting to arrive. Like, just wait, just wait. God's, he's preparing me to arrive. And what God is, I think, trying to say to all of us, and this is, this is, it doesn't matter if you're hyphen or not. What God is trying to say to all of us is, you've arrived. I've given you exactly what you need today. Today you have what you need. You are here. You have arrived. You don't have to wait for tomorrow to go, look here, look out world. Now I made it. Today is the day. Today is the day. Being the now. And so you look at some of the people in the Bible who had an impact through their lives at different stages of their lives. And yet, none of them was perfect. So I know that's the other part of this, right? The other part of this is we go, okay, so I'm equipped, but I'm a loser. I'm equipped, but I'm a failure. I'm equipped, but I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I'm equipped, but you don't know my baggage. Okay, but let's look. David, he was a murderer, adulterer, and he was a dysfunctional parent. One of his sons violated his sister. And what did David do? Nothing. You want to say that's good parenting? I'd say that's dysfunctional. I'm pretty sure that if somebody violated my child, even if it's another child, something's happening. <laughs> right? So David was not a perfect man. And yet, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And yet, he was a mighty warrior. He was a charismatic worshiper. As a young man, he tended sheep and wrote songs to the Lord. He did something in his now, even as a young man. He also killed Goliath. He was not a grown, seasoned warrior when he killed Goliath, but he had courage to face him because of Jesus. I understand Jesus was not there yet, but God manifested in flesh. So that's his name, okay? And the same thing, when he became a man, he ran for his life from Saul, and yet he kept his integrity in that time and never did hurt Saul because he knew it was God's anointed. He maintained his integrity even then. You can't tell me that that didn't have an impact. 
that had an impact even for Saul because in some of those occasions, Saul was like, you're right. You're more righteous than I am. I'm going to stop chasing you. That had an impact. Game changer then. He was living in the now. When David became king, he danced before the Lord. He lost his way more than once, but he always repented with humility. Genuine contrition. And so you can say to yourself, you know, I'm the pits. I don't know that any of you in here is a murderer. I mean, maybe you are. You got away with it. Maybe you've already served time. I don't know. But what I'm saying is if we like to categorize failure, like this failure is worse than that failure. Failure is failure. But God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. He's equipped all of us for our now. Moses, he was not articulate or confident. In fact, he was the pits of despair as far as I'm concerned. You read, he's looking at a burning bush, okay, which for me, I'd be like, I'd be already on my face. I mean, my shoes have been off. My hair had been down. I'd be like, whose feet do I need to wash right now? You know, drying with my, whatever needs to happen, I am unworthy. And yet Moses, he gets told, you know, I am the I am. I am with you, you know, and he goes, um, can you send somebody else? I'm the pits. It's a burning bush. You don't think that that guy who's not consuming the bush can, he's got this? And I mean, God's like, I am the I am, like, I am the endless vector. I have no end point. You're afraid? And Moses is like, I can't talk well. I can't speak. And yet I think to myself, how many times do we do that in our own lives where we go, ah, but you know what, don't ask me to do it because I am a, uh, I have a, uh, I've got this issue, you know, I'm not equipped, uh. and yet God's like, I'm the burning bush, what do you need to do, just be the vessel, go, go, do it, be the vessel, and you know what, despite Moses's failures, he led a nation out of bondage. He crossed a sea. He performed many signs and wonders through the Lord, and he stood in God's very presence, and he glowed. Okay, I have had some amazing experiences with God. I have never had anybody say, put a veil on your face because you are too bright. That's incredible. He glowed. All right? Deborah, let's talk about some of the women in the Bible. Deborah, does everybody know who Deborah is? The women are less, a little less well-known sometimes, okay? But that's no reflection on, on women at large, okay? But Deborah, she did not have personal victory over Sisera. She did not, okay? But Deborah was a prophetess and a judge of Israel. She was also a wife. That woman was doing everything. So, Deborah, you can say, you know, Deborah, you got to tell somebody else that the victory was theirs. You didn't get to have that. But you know what? God still put her in the Bible. She was a judge. She was a judge. She led Barak and the army of God. She led them. You can't say that she was not living her now. No. Sometimes what you think is going to be yours may not be yours but you're going to still be able to be a part of whatever it is that's going on if you're willing to just do so. If you're willing to just say, I'm living in the now. Yael, that's the other part of that story with Deborah. What do we know about Yael? Basically, we know that she was a wife. We know her husband's name. We know she was from the tents of Kenite. What else do we know about Yael? Oh, the best part. She hammered a stake through Sisera's head. She killed him. She nailed it. <laughs> Hashtag nailed it. <laughs> All right, but we don't know a lot about Yael. But you know what? She made it to the word. Because in the time of crisis, she was courageous through the Lord. And she lived in the now. She was like influenced by God. She was like, Sisera is right here. I'm going to take care of this right now. She lived in the now. She didn't say, but who am I? We don't hear that Yael was a, a warrior. She, it was not like, we don't look at her and go, well, she was a Viking princess. Like, of course, she was going to, you know, put a full stake right through his head. This is what they all do. 
We don't know anything. There's no indication that that was even any a battle strategy or, yes, everybody had stakes. It was, it was a common thing. There's no indication that that's anything that happened in the Bible ever before or after. But Yael, she was ready. She was prepared and she did what she needed to do and she made it to the Bible as a woman of courage and as a woman who had victory over Sisera. That's incredible because she lived in the now. And no special traits. Shira. Does anybody know Shira? Shira is very obscure because most people don't even know that Shira is in the Bible. Not Sheena. Shira. Okay? But Shira is very cool. 1 Corinthians 7, 24. One verse about Shira. She built three cities. That's what Shira did. You talk about a woman in the Old Testament living in the now. The woman built three cities. She got her own verse. That's powerful. Okay? But again, what else was Shira? Was she a warrior? Was she a... We don't know. But what I'm saying is these are people who... Despite the fact that you don't know what their background was, you don't know what, you know, if they had anything special, what their failures were, what was going on. You know they were human, but they were living in the now. They were being the now. Peter denied Jesus three times when it mattered, and Jesus even said, called him Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm pretty sure that that would devastate my soul if, you know, God Satan? I'd be like, I am but a worm. <laughs> Just please let me be the pooper scooper in heaven. Don't go without me. I don't care. <laughs> Just don't let me go with the real Satan. But Jesus called him the rock. That's what Jesus said about him. He said, Satan, get behind me. But he said, you're the rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Peter walked on water. Yes, he had a sinking moment, but he did it. No one else we know of did it. Peter did. Peter was in the upper room, and he gave the salvation exhortation that we read of in Acts that we all, I mean, that's part of our apostolic doctrine. Peter performed many miracles in Jesus' name, and Peter received the revelation about all of the Gentiles receiving the Holy Ghost and salvation as well, that it was just not for the Jews. That's Peter. So what are you doing now? And that's where I'm going to let my husband talk about the now for you. Uh, but living in the now. So most of the names that she just mentioned uh, are not necessarily names of consequence or people. Obviously, Jesus, Peter, those are pretty big names. David, pretty big names. But several were obscure names, normal people. And even Peter, you know, if, if you really want to think about who embodies a modern Christian and who you could probably relate to or slash aspire to be is, hey, all those major positive moments of Peter, you're like, man, that's, oh, I can't, I can't wait until I'm that. Again, wh why are we waiting? We need to be in the now. Peter was always in the now. That was somewhat, some of his flaw was, I'm not thinking about, oh, if I take the sword and try and chop, because I doubt that he was aiming for the ear. You know, it makes for a cool story that he swiped and only cut off the ear. It's kind of like shooting somebody in the leg or in the kneecap. You know, you see it in the movies and like that's almost impossible to do. So if he was like purposefully trying to cut off the ear then he's a very skilled swordsman. But we know that he was uneducated and he was a fisherman. So probably wasn't the case. And so, you know, you look at, that's a human reaction. In a time of anger, you do something irrational. And so he's very relatable in that sense because how many times, like we want to do this thing, we believe in Jesus, we think we may have our own preconceptions as to how he's going to use us, how he could use us, what we want him to use us for. But he has his own timing and his own plan and his own purpose for your life. And, you know, you can rush that overstep and you can cut somebody's ear off. You can use foul language. You can deny the Lord. You can do all of those things. And I'm sure there are times where 
you know, you've been out and about and you'd love to just say, Jesus, that doesn't adhere to what Jesus says. But you're like, oh, I don't really know that I want to call that out right now. You know, so I think that's very relatable where we can kind of see some of those things. But what can we do now where we're at? And make sure that we're not stuck in between two endpoints or waiting for the next thing. Because there's things that can happen. And there are some questions that you can ask yourself. Are you investing in building? And there are multiple ways that you can invest and build. Are you investing in building in yourself? Are you, are you growing in your faith? You know, our faith is supposed to increase. As we move into different stages, things should be produced. And that takes time. If you've ever gardened or raised an animal, you can't just be like, oh, this thing exists, it's going to get big. You have to take care of those things. You have to nurture them. And so uh, as you are operating now, hopefully there are people out ahead of you that are reaching back. You're able to receive from them just like you should be intentionally reaching back to invest in somebody behind you. And you can also reach forward. There's no limit on what direction you can go. But you've got to be investing in building, whether it's in you personally and in others. And so you've got to be intentional with those that you're trying to bless that have or are investing in you. And, you know, you can go to any major city. You can be around here in Newark. I'm sure in your towns that you may live in, you can go to most blocks or interstate intersections, and there's somebody who's homeless or unemployed, and they're they're looking for food or money. And... It's not necessarily fruitful to just hand somebody something. You know, it's the whole proverb of you can give somebody a fish or you can teach them how to fish. And that's intentionality. Like we can, it's real easy to just say, oh, Lord bless you today. Like that's real easy to do. You know, what did it really do? It made me feel squishy uh, for a moment. But... If you say, hey, you know, I think the Lord's got something for you. He loves you. Do you want to have a Bible study? Do you want to go and get a coffee, smoothie? Want to go play a game of checkers? But being intentional about trying to engage and build a relationship with that person so that you're investing time. As, you know, I think Brother Nick was talking about the Robin Hood app and where you can... Invest money in the stock market. What we're talking about here is not investing in temporal things. Right. We're talking about investing in eternal things and laying up treasures in heaven. And those things aren't going to pass away. Those things have long-term effects. And I think to that point, I think, you know, a lot of times it's easy to forget to think about the people who are investing in you. It's so much easier to be able to say, I'm going to do something for the people behind me. I'm going to, I'm going to help the youth. I'm going to help the kids in Sunday school. Or I'm going to help, you know, I'm going to invest in someone who's just behind me. But what is a powerful thing about where you are is you're supposed to be a vector. You're supposed to also be going forward. So when you turn around and you see the people who have invested in you, what is a powerful thing and takes it to the 2.0 level is for you to be able to say, you guys have been such an investment to me. What can I do for you? You have spent time with me. Can I, you know, if, if, if you want to talk about the leadership in your church, if you go, they have kids. Can I take your kids for just an hour and go get them something just, just to give you a blessing, to bless them? Can I, can I come to your house? And even, even if it's just working things and you go, does that matter? Yes, it matters because it's still investing where you go, you've invested in me. I want to invest in you. What can I do to be a blessing also to you? You have invested in me and I want to give back. That takes it to the next level where you go, 
You've spent hours of time with me. You've done all of these things for me. 2.0 says, what can I do? Maybe I'm not counseling you because you're the one who's counseling me. That's all right. That's all right, but you can go, okay, but that's okay. Can I bring you a coffee today? Can I pull some weeds out of your yard? It's small things, but it's things that still have an impact in the spiritual sense because what you're saying is I'm building. I'm building. I'm building something. I'm building unity. I'm building strength in the relationship. And I'm saying I get it. I get it because what you are becoming is the next investor. Because you're going to show the young people also behind you, the ones that you're building in, is this is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a reaching action both behind and forward. Because at the end of the day, we're not supposed to be an isolated unit. I look at what God has done in our natural world for answers to how we're supposed to be in the body, and he's got powerful examples. You want to look at the giant redwoods. I don't know if any of you know much about the redwoods, but I like documentaries and things, and I've learned a lot about just the redwoods because they're fascinating. They're some of the largest trees in the entire world and oldest, but you know what's incredible? If you cut down one, you have impacted the trees around it. Why? Their roots are tied together. They are all helping support each other. The root system. These trees that are massive trees, their roots do not go down so deep to sustain them individually. Instead, they go out and they intertwine with the other tree's roots. Now, when a tree falls naturally, it's okay because it was already dying and so the trees will start reaching out because they can tell. They'll start reaching out and getting new root systems to hold themselves up. But when you take it out before it's ready, it can impact the other trees. That's the way it should be in the body is what you do should be an impact on me. So when I see somebody falling away, I'm going, I'm praying for you because you're part of the body. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be there. I, I want you to be praying for me because our roots should be so tied together that we are supporting each other both ahead and behind. And that is hyphen 2.0. That's vector that's going to the next level. That's vector stuff. Because it should not just be, I'm helping with Sunday school. I'm helping with music ministry. Those are all good things. But you got to have an awareness where you are taking it to the next level. And even, not only are they connected, but there's actually electrical signals yeah. being passed through. So there's communication. And... You know, with the trees he's talking with, about. It's incredible. You know, I've thought back quite a bit on COVID, and, you know, we've had to transition to almost an entire digital space in which we were operating, which is challenging. You know, a lot of places weren't necessarily set up for that capability, so they're scrambling to figure out how to do it. Even those places that were set up, it's like... We were just doing it kind of to, to put it out there, you know, to just create a medium that can only be consumed digitally is a different type of practice. And, but we, you know, we were on the social medias. We were using technology to, to text and connect people. And I'm probably guilty as many of all of us of not being more diligent with texting or calling or sending messages and i just think back to like you know if paul was present right now or could see what was going on in the world he's like man i had to write a letter and then somebody <laughs> had to bring it somewhere for me to tell these people off or to encourage them <laughs> or to exhort them you guys can text people from the other side of the world that I didn't even know existed? Like, come on! What kind of impact... You know, if we were like Paul, and we were saying, hey, I've got now. I've got now that I've got this short window of time that I'm on Earth where I can impact and reach and encourage and keep people pressing towards that mark. Right. And he leveraged what he had. He traveled. He sent letters, he sent messengers with specific messages. If he couldn't go, 
And you can say, oh, well, Paul was just a full-time. No, he wasn't. He would go and do stuff, and then when he needed money, he went and worked. Raised money to fund his mission trip or to fund a church plant. So, you know, all of us have jobs or we're in school or we've got all these things going on around us and we can kind of think, well, man, that Paul was just, you know, a prophet and he was just doing things. You know, all these people were real things. You know, we have a large gap of Jesus's life that we don't know anything about. You hear about him as a, a young man, early teens, and then you don't hear about him again for a long time. Like, what's going on in that time frame? My guess is Joseph was carpenter. He was known as the carpenter's son. And my guess is he's probably helping Joseph. He was learning the trade. He was working. He was honing his earthly craft as well as preparing himself to move on. But, I mean, he, he was known in the community that he was working in. I mean, when he goes back to Caesarea, they're like, isn't that the carpenter's son? So it is imperative that even though there may be this time frame where your life's not recorded or you don't feel it's notable, there are people observing and there are impacts that are being made along the way that people are going to recall back. And, you know, one of the the things that you can be doing now is the five facets of faith. And and there are many more facets of faith, but we kind of narrowed it down to five kind of core ones. Fasting, praying, reading the word, tithing, showing up and attending service. And in all of those things, you could add in a a sixth one and, and even get to to being of service because we can sometimes fall into the trap of I've got to go to church to be saved. I have to attend a church service to stay saved. You do need to attend church. You do need to. That's why why it's a five (laughs) facet of faith is you still have to attend. But the point of that is if you're dependent upon that (laughs) church service to keep you saved then you're not dying daily. You know, you need to be able to show up to a church service and if somebody says, hey, I need you to serve in this capacity, your response isn't, oh man, I really wish I could, but I had a bad week. I really just need to be in service and just have the Lord minister to me. You should have been talking to the Lord in that situation and letting him sort it out so that you're ready and prepared to serve because... And service isn't even necessarily, hey, I need to fill in for a Sunday school teacher or be in the media department or be an usher. And that's not to say, though, that there aren't times where you need extra juice. I mean, there there are all situations where you go, my cup is not full, and before I can give somebody a glass of water, I need to make sure that I am fully quenched myself. So that that's not to say that. But what we're talking about is that can't be all the time. It can't be like my cup is always empty. You have to be living in service daily. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, your service can be somebody else needs prayed for. What if everybody just went up and just had to pray individually? You know... Hopefully, at your church, you don't see just everybody just up there. Hopefully, there are people, you know, that are praying with them, encouraging them. If you haven't been, that's a service. Even if you're just a hand on somebody's back praying for them, that's a service. That's an impact to their life. And so, making sure that you are doing things intentionally throughout the week, because, again, this isn't being the church service this is being the now you need to be operating in the now constantly are you willing to receive instruction or correction doesn't say do you like to get told what to do and what not to do 
but are you willing to do it? You know, there are a, a lot of folks, and it's not limited to hyphen yeah. at all. There are plenty of adults, older people that don't, don't like tell to get me what to do. That don't. <laughs> you can't don't teach an old dog new tricks, right? So you have to be constantly malleable to the instruction of your spiritual leaders and as new revelations that you get. Are you self-motivated? And that one, I, the reason I said I want to do it is because that's one that I, and maybe it's part of my personality, but that's one that I think like you guys are in the prime to be the most awesome self-motivated generation, period. You are because you have most of you more time than a whole bunch of other people. And even if you go, I have no time, I can promise you, you have time. But what's powerful is when you are saying, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this, this, and this. And so it's sometimes like we're able to get up and do things for ourselves. But are we self-motivated to say, I'm going to do this intentionally because of Jesus? I'm going to do this intentionally because it's important for the body. I'm going to do this intentionally because it's good for the church. Or is it always, I'm not going to do anything until someone asks me. See the difference? It's, yes, I have free time. Maybe I have the day off. And yes, there might be something going on at church or maybe the grass needs mowed or somebody else is doing that. I don't need to worry about it. Or do you see what I'm saying? It's taking that to the next level where you go, I have the day off. I literally could just stay at home and, you know, get on YouTube or watch Netflix or whatever you're doing. I don't know. But I'm saying you can say, I'm going to just lay on the couch all day and just zone out. Or you can say, you know what? Today, today, I'm going to have an impact. I'm going to call the leaders. If, if I'm not one, if I don't know what's going on, I'm going to say, hey, I'm free today. Can I do anything that would be helpful? Is there anything that needs done? You don't have to just go and say, I'm going to mow the grass and it, you know, I'm going to mess up the whole schedule. You can ask, though. You can see, see what's going on. It's amazing to me how many people just don't even think about asking. They don't think about asking because it's almost some sort of like, ooh, like, unless you're asking me, it's not Jesus. Jesus did stuff and encouraged people to be a part, and he didn't ask them. He didn't ask the little woman who touched his clothes, touch my clothes, you'll get healed. That'd be weird. <laughs> she was self-motivated. She said, I am going to touch his clothes. And I know when I do, I'm going to be healed. She had self-motivation. She worked it through that crowd to get to touch his clothes. What are we doing that's self-motivated? It is, to me, one of the most powerful things, and it, probably this is why that, that one matters a lot to me, is because acts of service are they're number one for me. It's acts of service. It's so powerful to me when somebody is just willing, even without asking, to see a need and fill it. You have no idea what that does for people like me when acts of service are number one. It's a beautiful love language. <laughs> when I come home and I'm like, oh, the laundry has been folded. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. I was planning on doing it myself. I didn't even expect it. That's amazing. That's self-motivation. And so as a young person, I know it can be hard sometimes to be like, well, I don't know what I need to do. That's okay. Ask somebody. I'm pretty sure that there are lots of people around you who could tell you what to do. But if you see a need, I remember my grandfather telling me he would, he would clean the, the toilets at church. My grandfather would. He was a pastor of the church. He would clean the toilets. He was like, oh, we didn't have anybody today, so I'm just going to clean the toilets. I learned service from a young age, and, and my grandfather said, this is the house, this is the house of God. And my dad said, this is the house of God. We should honor the house of God. So I've seen people's dirty Kleenexes, just like up on the front, that they forget. They're not doing it on purpose. They're not trying to trash the church. But I see them, and you know what? I can't help myself. I'll get a, I'll get a fresh Kleenex, and I'll pick up their dirty ones, and I throw them away. Why? Because I saw a need, and I'm going to do it. I'm self-motivated. Now, that doesn't mean I'm perfect in everything that I do, but I'm saying the time is now for us to be self-motivated. We don't need somebody to ask us 
to say, can, can you gr- be a greeter? Be a greeter. You don't need to ask somebody, what can you do? Do it. Find out what it is that you can do. You guys are talented, you're capable, and Jesus wants to use you. And it, you don't need to wait on tomorrow to go, but I have a, a prophet calling. Be the prophet today. See what it is that you can do because as soon as you start doing what is just in your little circle, it's like Jabez, your borders are going to be enlarged. If you can be faithful with the small, you can be faithful with the big. Are you being real? I mean, not covering things up, understanding these are my flaws, this is what I need to be addressed because if you don't, if you're not willing to be real, the Lord can't work in those spaces. He's not going to barge in and say, like she said, he didn't tell the woman, hey, if you want to be healed, all you got to do is like touch the bottom of my, my robe. But she did, and virtue went. And so you, you've got to be willing to be real. You've got to be, are you being accountable to someone? Are you actively forgiving yourself and others? Because bitterness is one of the most evil tools that the devil uses to uh, to isolate you from the church and from others. And if you want to say, hey, I'm a hyphen, maybe my line's this long or this long, you let bitterness get in there and your, your, your dash is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and then there's no connection. There's nothing in between. And are you actively pursuing the Lord and making sure that you are seeking Him out and allowing Him to guide your footsteps? Because I've also lived long enough to know that I've done my best to live according to the word and my steps even though they may not have been the steps I wanted to take or maybe I didn't understand why a step was going in a certain direction when I turn back around and I look I can see the Lord made me make that step and pushed me in this direction and he changed the course here and I thought I was going on a good course. And that's, I'm not just talking in the, the spiritual world. I'm talking about in the real world that we all have to live in with our jobs. I've thought, man, I've got a great path this way. And he moved something. Wasn't pleased about it. Ventured on bitterness and frustration. And then six seven, eight months later, where I would have gone evaporated. And I'm able to look back and say, man, I was really frustrated in that time. And I had a really good thing going. And, you know, like, Lord, why did you move me out of that? And it's he was already looking eight months into the future and saying that wasn't going to happen. I've got story after story after story from being sick and losing a job and not then being able to get a job after getting better because just opportunities fell through. But someone at church had had a job here in Columbus. Then they gave them an opportunity in a different state and they moved there. Then they got another opportunity, moved back to Columbus, another opportunity moved back to Kansas and another opportunity to move back to Columbus just so that they could be in a position that they could just say, David, here's a job. Years in advance, God was already moving pieces to make it so that I work for the company that I do today and I've not interviewed for a single position at that company and have advanced throughout it. Every opportunity has anything I've interviewed for at the company, I've not got. That's not me. And I can look back and I can say, man, I thought I was awesome. And, you know, in those instances, the Lord said, no, I'm directing your steps. Yeah. And you can see back. And so 
when you're actively pursuing, when you're doing these things and you're living in the now and you're making your now about him and how you can serve the kingdom, that's when you start making an impact with a purpose. Yes. I don't have any questions, but yes. um, earlier this year I was asked to do like a little sermon and I, I was really, de- I feel like I was dealing with me about using my talents and stuff for, for God and um, I really feel like he, I got asked to do a sermon and it's kind of like what you guys are talking about. Yes. Um, I feel like God told me like your gifts and your talents are like a fruit. Yes. If you don't use your fruit, what does the fruit do when it's not used in its time? It, it withers. Mm-hmm. It withers. And, yep. And, and, like, dies. and it's physical too, like when, this is what I told my church, I said when you don't use your talents and your gifts, you, and God will use someone else, you, you literally get bitter. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And I feel like just saying that now because that's what I told my church. No, you're right on. You're right on. And, you know, th- the same thing is true even if you want to talk about and I And, again, I think what's beautiful about the Lord is we see that physically as well. Like we actually see that with fruit. Mm-hmm. And we actually see that even in our bodies. I mean, you know, you see some of these athletes who are just incredible, but what do they do in order to become incredible. I mean, they are investing so much into, you know, their exercise routine or, you know, their program. But if they stop, they're not incredible. They're not, they're not as strong as they, as they were before. I mean, they don't, you don't just get to a place where you have like all these beefy muscles and they just stay. You have to constantly be continuing to work out. And so it's, it's exactly what we see with that. And one more thing, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, please. I, I really feel like God uh, told me, he revealed, that we revealed this to me when I was like trying to reach people. He said, the seed, the people that are not converted are the seed, and we're supposed to be the fruit. The yes. seed can't, you, like when you're buying like a seed package, you don't know what it is until the label's on it. Like, you know. Yes. And like the seed can't, you don't know what you're going to plant until you see what it is. So like the seed doesn't have the vision of what it can be. It does not so have the vision. It sees it in full red. That's exactly right. And I think what's beautiful about even the, the gardening analogy, and I've told I've told people this as well, and so I think you're I think you're right on, is what's powerful is God just wants us to plant them, to plant seeds. He doesn't want us to worry about what it becomes. He will do the growing. He will be the fruit producer. And so what our job is is just to make sure that we're there to plant, that we're ready to put our hands in the soil and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this one here, and I'm going to be part of that experience. But the growth is up to Jesus. That's not on us. And so if you, if you look at a plant and you go, I mean, like a little seed, and you go, but it's not, it's not producing, it's not growing, that's not, that's not on you. You don't have to carry that pressure and that weight of going, how come this did not produce the way that I wanted it to? I've invested, I watered it, it's in the sun, it's doing, you know, all of these things should make it perfect, but there are some times where you plant something in the ground and it doesn't grow. It doesn't grow. But that's why it's up to the master, and so we don't have to have that pressure of, will there be growth? That's up to God. Our job is just to be willing to put our hands in the dirt. Be the now.